And Mendeleev is coming at you with the Mendeleev podcast. And yes, you might be wondering, why am I listening to this right now? And I'll tell you, because I talk to cool people is pretty much the reason. And I love these people, and I hope you do too. Today, we have Kevin Irvin on this podcast. And Kevin has so many hats. This dude has grown up playing keys like a monster. And he also is a ridiculous producer. We talk about life as a performer. We talk about what it's like to be a music director, which he is all the time. And being in a band with him, you will know the power of transitions between songs. He puts on a show. We talk about his life growing up in New York City, playing in church. We talk about what it means to be a church musician and why there is so much talent coming out of the church. Yes, without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Mendeleev Podcast featuring Kevin Irvin. Did, did, Brad, Mendeleev. Piano players, but uh, or or even just general producers, who are who are kind of the ones that you you kind of immediately gravitated towards. Timbaland, yeah, Timbaland definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Martin, I was a, a huge really? sort of like boy band yeah. fan, pop <laughs> fan, like you're a boy band fan. Yeah, man. What, what I, uh, was you? Who who? Which which ones? I, Backstreet Boys were, were All right, my. Cool. My folks, especially that they had a, a member named Kevin, so I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, we we have an affinity. But I was down for all of them. In sync, ninety eight degrees, ninety eight degrees. Um, that that's the one that I was know, trying to I was trying to reach for, but couldn't figure out the name. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then even before that, you know, sort of boys to men, Drew Hill, my favorite singer of all time. You could delete this if you want. Uh, people will try to clown me on this, but my favorite singer of all time R. is Kelly. Cisco. Oh no! no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not that. You're not gonna get me canceled out here. I know, I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah, we had that one song that sounded, or I was like, we were, we were doing it for for that ensemble that we were in with, with Will the Mix, and and uh, I wrote that one song, and Alexis sang it. That sounded so much like I believe I can fly, like the beginning intro chords. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and I remember being like, yeah, I think it kind of sounds like that R. Kelly song. You're like, no, that is that R. Kelly song. Right, right. Like, it literally is that. <laughs> literally is that. But but sorry, okay, well, Cisco, you said. Yeah, Cisco's uh, my favorite singer still to this day of wow. all time. Um, and, you know, that that's from a boy band, uh, Drew Hill. Um, so Jodeci, all of those. I really grew up on them. So Max Martin, Timbaland. And I'd probably have to say... Um, a strong like three-way tie mm. and this is gonna be ridiculous but mm-hmm. a- as a piano player um strong three-way tie between stevie wonder elton john and billy joe oh wow like oh wow like nice c- couldn't put one in front of the other those were like the first three books like the you know those like 
piano books that you get when you're a kid is like the 25 top Stevie Wonder songs. Yeah. 25 top. So I was learning Ribbon in the Sky and Benny and the Jets and Piano Man all at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, so cool, man. Yeah. And, and, and nor should you put one in front of the other. Uh, those, yeah. Oh, man. Such, such legends. I was just trying to see Billy Joel when he came to the garden. I missed him this time. Uh, but yeah, nice. Awesome, man. That That's great. And you, you grew up pretty much in day one in church, right? Yep. 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 In uh, in Red Hook or Iguanas or where did, was that? Is that yes. the area that you're born in? Yep. So I I was uh, born and raised uh, in sort of the Red Hook area. Eventually we moved to Carroll Gardens, but I went to a church in the back of Red Hook, which is much closer to where like IKEA is now, but way before it was cool and hip um, to be back there when it was kind of dangerous to be back there. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, you know that was the first time I was introduced to music and live music. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else in my family is a musician or, or a singer. Most of them sing out of key. Oh, um, <laughs> gotcha. And I was sort of really just mesmerized by what the keyboard player, who's the music director at, at that church, was doing. And mm. I was like, does this dude have a magic power? Because he could play some stuff and people would like cry. He could yeah. play some stuff and people would be happy or like, you know, really accompany the, uh, the preacher, yeah. um, which would excite the, the room. Uh, you know, if, if you think about just black uh, Pentecostal churches, uh, music was a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, my mom bought me a keyboard when I was four and I've been off ever since then. Was the music director of the church, was he your, your teacher eventually, or you just kind of got inspired by watching him on Sundays? Yeah, he never had the time of day for me, sadly. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> That that that's amazing though. You know, I've always been uh, kind of jealous, to be honest, man. I I you know I grew up Jewish, but I always wished that I had experience playing music in church. I mean, it's, especially like later in my when I became a teenager and uh, and started going to to music school and stuff. It was like every single instrumentalist, you name it, whether it was like the drummers with the gospel chops or or the you know the gospel singers, it was like they they were the top of the line uh, of of skill level and talent uh, compared yeah. to anyone by far and i always i was always trying to figure out why and other than just like being born in it and playing and, and being so regular and especially community oriented but then i realized i think you know correct me if i'm off base here but like i feel like a big part of it has to do with um just being able to immediately have the intention be set towards a higher purpose uh or a higher power literally and and for me, I mean, like, I think a lot of us musicians have to kind of find our way into that. But church seems to be the ground zero to like immediately set the intention and, and feel that kind of understanding and purpose right off the bat. Uh, did do you relate to that or did you uh, was there a point in your life where you kind of realized more your purpose as to why you were doing music? Definitely. So I. I think I do relate to that. The tricky part about it is, so I was introduced to music in church, but I didn't start playing church music until I was 19, hmm. right? So I played only R&B and pop for the first 15 years of my music life. What what right? made you change? So I never thought church music was that cool, hmm. right? So I was just playing stuff that was on the radio. And uh, after high school, I basically was on a forced gap year because um, Berkeley didn't want to give me a scholarship, which is why you and I didn't meet 10 or 15 years in yeah, advance. Yeah, yeah, right, wow. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And during that year, my mom basically was like, okay, well, you play music. Can you play in a church for me, please? Can you join the church band? Oh, your, your mom begged you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. so when when I was um, 
So at that point, I was like sort of 17 and a half, and I took some time before I really said yes. But between the ages of 17 and 19 is when I first sort of got in. But what I really think is, is not just understanding your higher power, but um, I, I think growing up in church or, or even playing in church in general, even if you didn't grow up there, there's such a, a high amount of accountability from day one, right? I'll tell you my first... Mm -hmm. My first rehearsal ever, uh, imagine being a 10-year-old kid or a 9-year-old kid or 5-year-old kid, whatever age you decide to start playing music in church, and someone saying, okay, you have to be prepared to essentially put on a show on Sunday, right? Yeah. And on Sunday, not only are you putting on a show where you can't mess up, right? You're putting on a show where you can't mess up for God, Yeah. right? It's not even just like you can't mess up for the audience. Yeah. You can't mess up for God. My wow. first rehearsal ever, I kid you not, I had studied music. I got a whole $120,000 scholarship to go to high school. I had wow. exhausted every music class at my high school. They built a music studio for me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I got to my first rehearsal uh, in church uh, after high school. And I walked in and the organ player is playing something. And they tell me to sit over at the, the secondary keyboard. I didn't even get on the first keyboard. right? And I, I'm at this point nearly a grown man. Right? Yeah. And... There, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Is that like an A flat minor ninth chord? And right when I said that, every musician stopped playing, right? Because I didn't realize this until two or three rehearsals after that. None of them had any theory background. None of them read. And the music director looked at me and said, just shut up and listen. <laughs> right? And I was like floored. Because at that point, I thought I was God's gift to music. Right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. He was like, shut up and listen. And for a year, maybe two years my keyboard didn't go through the sound system. So I'm nearly a grown man at this point. I'd played, I had played wow. across the world. I played for 15,000 people in Zalem, Germany when I was 13. Oh, and I'm sitting in a, in a church that probably has 40 members <laughs> and they won't put my keyboard <laughs> and through the unplugged. sound system. And you, right. Oh right, my right. God. Oh wow. Like I got man. a little mini amp next to me so I can hear myself. Oh, okay. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, so you had and, your wedge, but, but nobody right. could hear you in the audience. And they won't put me through the sound system. <sighs> but, I think it's that crucible because in church, music is so important, right? And, and mm -hmm. excellence is so important as far as what you're doing. And then attentiveness. So any of my friends or family that grew up sort of playing in church, uh, like both of my older God brothers, um, it, their job was that much more important. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't like, oh, somebody else could do this, like a, a church usher or a church cook or what have you, where there may be a, a bunch of people who can do it. If you're the keyboard player, you are the keyboard player, and there's probably not a backup unless you're in a very musical church. Um, mm. And the flip side of that is, if you're in a musical church, you can easily be kicked off. So not only did I start there, I remember when I became the main musician, because I hadn't grown up in church, there might be hymns that I didn't know. And I remember oh, yeah. this one Sunday um, when Aunt Cookie, that's what everyone called her in the church, Aunt Cookie, um, she used to play the organ years ago, years ago when she was growing up, right? So I'm sitting there, the pastor starts singing a hymn, and I'm fiddling my way through it. I'd never heard this song before. And she just walks up, full dress, church hat on, and she comes over to me and she said, move over, baby, <laughs> right? So I basically get kicked off the organ, and no I'm probably way. 25 at this point. Oh, I'm 25 man. years old. I get kicked off the organ, she sits down, and she crushes it. Oh. And, and at some point during the middle of it, she looks at me, she's like, you got it? Did you watch me? <laughs> yeah. Right? And I said, yes, ma'am. Wow, and then she man. got up and walked back to her seat and I played the rest of the wow, song. Wow, man. Wow. What a flex. What a flex. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I got, she says, move over. You move over. 
Oh, Absolutely. Man. That that's amazing. I love I love that you said yeah accountability. Kind of going back to what you were originally saying with with keeping your yourself finding and creating your own deadlines and structure. You know we have to be in in this kind of a self employed world. We we kind of have to be our own our own boss a lot of the times and and conduct our own structure and schedule and uh, and when you have this kind of regimented you know not only weekly Sunday experience but you have your your group band. And that that's kind of keeping you on your toes and and uh, keeping you on your game over time and over over years that just becomes solidified into into almost being like your your new way of living uh yeah. And, and and yeah so so i appreciate the distinction between just the the higher power and also uh yeah accountability um and so and so got you man and so we ended up we ended up meeting each other at berkeley nyc it here when I moved to to New York, we were both in the songwriting and production department, uh, and and w- when we when we enter that, we have this thing called the CE, which is our cumulative experience, which is kind of like our thesis that we're gearing up for a whole year. And yours was this one of the only you're the only one I think that chose to do a full length video, um, like what like 30, 40 minute movie film uh, called uh, was it follow follow is it follow yeah follow. Nice man, yeah. Do you mind? Do you mind talking about that uh, and what that that project was for you and what it meant for you? Definitely. So uh, at that point in my life, you know, it was, we were post pandemic. Um, on my bucket list was to go to Berkeley, as I shared. Berkeley didn't let me in earlier. They mm-hmm. barely let me in this time, uh, but they gave mm-hmm. me a few dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, as you know, the schedule of the school didn't afford us to have full time jobs, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I'm older. I didn't have a bunch of savings. Most of my savings um, was out during the pandemic to support uh, the lifestyle that I was I was trying to live. Yeah. Um, and I had just recently quit my job as the executive director of a nonprofit in New York City. So I was fulfilling my dream, but also um, coming into a place of, of struggle, right? Uh, both financially, emotionally, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the documentary Follow was sort of what occurred over a year's time for me, both both mentally, um, spiritually, and, and physically, mm-hmm. um, as I went through the the program, you know, because I was coming into a, a space and place where lots of us had actually graduated from Berkeley, yeah. So lots of us had a foundation that I didn't have, right? And granted, on the flip side of that, I had stuff that some some Berkeley grads didn't have, yeah. But you know, sort of this imposter syndrome, right? Like, do I know what they know? Can I hang with them? I hadn't sight read and yet. I remember my, my <laughs> wife clowns me about it all the time, but I was sight like practicing sight reading for like six weeks before we started no because way. I didn't know what, what <laughs> I didn't know what we were walking into. That's hilarious. Cause right? that would, that would actually made a lot of sense, you know, for undergrad and stuff and, and all the core classes, but we, we, I don't think we wet read one piece of sheet music. The right? whole time. Not a single <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow, okay. So, you know, I, I was really nervous about that, mm-hmm. um, but really, really sort of tried to jump head first. And my wife said, you know, just be humble, keep your head down and do the work. Mm-hmm. And I was able to meet a lot of great and amazing folks um, mm-hmm. like yourself and lend uh, any bit of talent that I, that I have to their voices and to their process and their songwriting and collaborate in a way that I hadn't before. I was really for 10 years, maybe like a one-man band. Right, it was sort yeah. of my way or the highway, my show or or not. Um, so it, the the film just follows that experience. I got you. I got you. Cool. And do you have any plans for it now? 
I mean, I know that it was like your project. And for a lot of us, our CEs and, and what we did as our thesis kind of took the back burner once we graduated. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, for you, do you, do you have any um, idea where that could land in the future? Not really. Right now, I sort of use it as a resume. Okay, right? like yeah. People, people call me up and they're like, what have you done musically? And I was like, yeah. watch this movie. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a great documentation, man. That, that's, that's so cool. Um, yeah. Nice. Cool, man. Cool. And so, so where are we at now with, it, uh, with, with your, your life in, in Texas? Uh, are, you, are you starting some productions again? Yeah, so uh, you know, I've I've got some live shows coming up. Not not me personally, but things that I may be music directing or tech directing or mm -hmm. arranging for. You know, even at the end of this month, I'll be back in New York City uh, doing a a corporate gig. But the cool part about that is that oftentimes, you know, with corporate gigs, folks come and they ask for these very elaborate intros or outros or things that happen. So I, I get the chance to put bands together um, all yeah. across the world and then do arrangements for them. I'm really trying to dig deep around two areas of music right now, mm -hmm. and that's um, live show production and, and arrangement. Um, I, I really enjoy uh, sort of setting up shows for folks, yeah. training people's bands, you know, putting sets together for folks, and then also really trying to find um, folks who are not so far in the, their career that. You know, they're they're only looking for Timbaland to produce them, but not so early on in their, their career that that maybe they are at level one of sort of vocal class or oh, they're cool. in piano lessons or somewhere yeah. in, the, in that middle level where I can still be helpful to them um, uh -huh. and, and work with folks like that. Whether that's local or abroad, you know, the the pandemic has has taught us that we don't have to be next to each other. We can we can yeah. do this wherever. No, awesome, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so. Uh, in in that sense, so you are looking for artists to produce, um, but but ones that could maybe be a little more flexible and and kind of open to like a type of collaboration, so that you can kind of you know put your thumbprint on it, right? Rather than uh, them just kind of coming into a collaboration knowing what they're looking for and trying to passenger produce the whole thing or tell you what to do, or uh, yeah. you know, I know for as as a producer, it can be really annoying <laughs> and, and i've been right. that i've also been that guy on the other on the other end of the spectrum where i'm you know the 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 person telling the producer what to do and 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 so i i get both sides but i i as a producer really can be obnoxious uh with somebody just like trying to be like you know i think there's a should be less reverb on that it's like dude i'm just let me do my job uh, right <laughs> um um okay got you man so so when you're sitting down as as Kevin with his writing hat on. What is it that you kind of gravitate towards when you begin? And writing could be just like putting chords on a piano, but also as a producer. So are you one that kind of begins with the drums? Are you like lock the groove in first? Because a lot of times I personally have been there. Um, or or do, you, do you most of the time kind of come at it with a progression? And I know that, you know, you probably change it up. But if, if you had to kind of look back in retrospect, what's the, the thread that, that seems to, to be the one that, that pulls you into like starting the creative process? I think... I'd probably have to say, you know, really sitting at the piano and mm -hmm. playing through some stuff, trying to come up with a progression, something that moves me. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, different songs have called for different starts. But if I 
say the the most frequent is definitely that because it, it it brings me back to to basics it brings me back to being a kid when i was a kid i didn't have you know the machine and all these gadgets and things i had oh, a yeah. casio ctk 500 i just had like a regular keyboard mm-hmm. um that had its own program drums in that had an a and b switch that could give you fills nice uh, so <laughs> i had to I had to use whatever they gave me no i i forgot that you're a machine dude you yeah we're there's not many of us out there yeah it's just me and you shout just out to native you. instruments mk3 i mean uh, that, right, right. that thing is gold i recently you know we can nerd out about this for a sec but i i started using exo by, by yep. excellent audio um exo is like a basically a drums drum sequencer and it's blown my mind to the point where i actually haven't been using my machine in the last couple months but but other than that i'm i'm pretty much a uh diehard you know i I, all the at least drum sequencing i do has been on the machine for about seven years six seven years Um, yeah i i love it so and so oftentimes i do find myself if I'm starting from a blank canvas, I'll jump right to the groove and try to establish what the groove is. Um, because I find that personally, like say I were to start on the piano and I, I lock in a progression and then bring it, it's like I start playing over like a click, right? Um, yeah. But but there's, I find my, not that my groove is all over the place, but it's a little little undefined. And so when I have like some sort of, of beat over, even if it's just like a loop or something um, that I can kind of, lock in my piano playing my groove a little better yeah um but but you know i imagine um you know if you if you're even playing your your entire life man putting a putting a click on and just just going until you you find an eight bar loop or some gold that you like um are you are you one that writes lyrics as well yep yep, yep. yeah i know that uh what was the one that we did in the ensemble last year the uh everyday fallen yeah was that it oh man that's such a you wrote the lyrics to that too right yep that's my whole thing that's great man and and so what part of the part of the process does that usually kind of jump in um sometimes honestly when it comes to songs like that so that song was the last or maybe second to last song on a a project uh, called this time that I actually gave to my wife on our first anniversary. We, oh, we nice. had agreed that we would spend no more than $25 for our first uh, first dating anniversary. <laughs> and um, I tried to make something out of like macaroni stuff. And like <laughs> no, you didn't. I, I, I kid you not. I kid you not. I spent like 10 of my $25. And on macaroni. On dry macaroni. Right, right. And like glue sticks and stuff. <laughs> nice. And I was just like, yeah, this is not me. Like, I, I can't I can't do this. Oh, but, but it's I from the do, heart, dude. Okay, right, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but what I can do is write music. So in two weeks, I created this, like, I think it's 12-song project for her. Wow. Um, she was away. She was out of town. Uh, and I, like, called all of my friends together. And I wrote this song, uh, The Way Everyday Fallen came about. Um, I think I was just humming... Uh, every day falling, mm-hmm. falling in love, right? And, and that was it. That's all I had. And I was trying to find the the chords to it. And I actually never got to, you know, that song's like really bass heavy, like the bass line like oh, drives yeah. that song. That's what mm-hmm. I got to play on it. At least when we did a live, I got I got the, the honor of playing bass and opportunity to reharm and it was, it was so much fun. You crushed it. You crushed it. So I, I really was like living in a space um, where I had been listening to um, Third Story, actually. Um, oh, yeah. 
I know those guys. Shout out to shout out to Elliot Skinner, my, my man. We've done a couple gigs gigs together. Oh, cool. So I'd been you know, listening. It's funny. He's the only one that I didn't know uh, at undergrad. Really? Yeah, I knew Ben though, and uh, he uh, Lushy, he was a friend of mine. That's dope. Um, but That's dope. yeah, got you. Okay, so I remember. Yeah, Elliot Elliot came in to do uh, a, like a kind of a Q and A masterclass with Will at one yeah. one point during our last semester. So, you know, I had been listening to them and thinking about, like, how do I um, uh, accent? Uh, in a lot of their music, like, one instrument will sort of be accented as the star of what's being tracked out there. It might be just the guitar or, or just sort of a vocal loop. And I had got this bass line that locked in to what I was doing. Dun, dun, and then dun, it was dun, off dun. from there. Uh, right. Dun, 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 dun. Love. Yeah, it's such a jam, dude. Okay, it, it's all coming back to me right now. That's great. And when I when I first presented that song to the the other singer on it, Chastity Rivers, she literally was like, "Nah, this is trash. I'm not I'm not singing this." Oh, right. And it had no drums on it at that point, mm -hmm. so I basically had the bass line and a snap, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I knew I had the the drums in my head, but I knew mm -hmm. it needed to be live, and I didn't put down the synth chords that come on the chorus there. And I was just I was just begging her. I was like, Chastity, just sing the song. Trust me. Like <laughs> you can't it miss. Good. Right. Like we can't miss. <laughs> and we did that. I sent it out to get drums on it. Uh, so they were the live, right? Keys. The yep, drums. Yep, yep. Okay. I remember yep. I remember hearing the fills. I'm like, how the fuck you sequence those? <laughs> and all right, that makes sense. That makes um, sense. And then it got back to her and she was like, Oh my God, this is freaking amazing. I was like, You should have just trusted me. Yeah. <laughs> She's just giving you flack. Oh, nice. All right. Cool, man. Cool. I love it. And I love that song. I've I've kind of forgotten about it, but now that we're talking about it, it's been coming back a little bit. And is that out like on on Spotify or anything? Do you do you release under under uh, Kevin Irvin or do you have a, a different name? Yeah, so on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever that's under K Irv, K dot E R V. K Irv. Uh, and that project is out. That's actually the last project I released. But now that nice. I'm in Texas, I've actually been deeply thinking about possibly releasing another project, um, especially since I have so many new friends now. Yeah, what does that look like? Something... Me calling up Lev and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, totally, man. And so, and so you don't already have the track for that. You're just considering kind of, you're, you're starting to toy with the idea of writing, writing something now. Yeah, almost like, you know, when Gaga came out with that, um, like, duets album or whatever where oh, yeah. every song had a, another artist on it yeah almost that but i don't i don't i'm not really like in a singing mood now so Man, it would be like if that's i just crazy to me though thing. like so like because you have a ridiculous voice so that's where i'm wondering like why did you grow up singing and then just like stop or were you always kind of like a secret singer yo i will tell you this I didn't sing a single note. Okay, this is a lie. I sang for the mayor of New York when I was four years old, but that was like my godmom pushing me to do that. The mayor, who was the mayor at the time? Mayor Dinkins. Oh, mayor no David way. David Dinkins. He was the first black mayor of New York City. And you and you uh, got to sing for him. Uh, right, right, right. I don't even know how that occurred. I have no memory of it, but I know that happened. But <laughs> after that, after like when I was four, I didn't sing again until I was uh, 17, 18. Wow. And the reason I, I started singing church. when I was 17, 18, nope, wasn't even church. I, didn't, I definitely didn't sing in church. Because folks in there were singing circles around oh, okay, me. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, um, sure, sure, right. Was because I had, for middle school and high school years, I had a catchment net of artists that I could write for, right? Like other students at school. And then all of them went off to college. I was not in school at that point. Mm, so yep. one of my friends was like, why don't you just sing your own music? Yeah. And I was like, uh, I guess so. 
<laughs> so that's what happened. But nice. I, I, I don't really enjoy it. I, there's so much thought for me that has to go into to singing. Like I'm always trying to stay on pitch. And like, Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, what did Dinkins do? <laughs> he got you. <laughs> Uh, scared me out of it damn well well i hope i hope it comes back yeah if you do the uh that kind of gaga duet kind of vibe man it would be it would be cool to hear i know you do you do like a bunch of backgrounds and harmonies though right you, yeah. you always sneak those ones in absolutely i, I try to get my bgv credits on everything okay nice sweet <laughs> oh that's awesome man will definitely keep me posted and uh yeah excited excited uh that you're you're coming to new york at the end of the month sorry i couldn't make that gig but it sounded pretty exciting it's the can you talk about that it's the ir awards yeah so it's the investor relations magazine um and they have a uh, four awards a year uh new york canada london and brazil and i've been fortunate enough to be uh their, their music director so i get to put together bands for them do arrangements um oversee the the production of the show mm. um so uh yeah i nice. get to call my friends together and say hey let's let's play some cool music for a night make a little bit of money and yeah. uh, just wow this crowd of drunk wealthy people <laughs> have you been hitting the corporate gigs for a while now has that been a has that been a thing for you i didn't i didn't realize not not too often um but in the last couple of years yeah um just because it pays pretty decent sure and it, it's usually like you know one time here and there um and i don't have the same ego that i did when i was younger right yeah. so i'm i'm okay with like doing sync stuff now i've been doing some sync where like when we were growing up i was like mm, mm. do i want to make music for commercials like is that cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right <laughs> i see gotcha but, but that, that's actually kind of crazy here because you like yeah i mean shit growing up i can't i can't even imagine man in in the way that you did around you know the dudes that you did i remember you telling me um who was it you grew up uh oh it was cory henry you and you yeah. and cory grew up together and uh you said you'd like go to guitar center and, and fiddle around in all the synths or something like that um yeah. while you guys were growing up man he's been a insane inspiration for me over the last like five years i actually saw him a couple times at the blue note over the last over the last year man and and he's starting to you know he's been doing his singing stuff now at the uh God, what, what is this band called? The Funketeers? What's the Funk Apostles? Funk Apostles, that's right. Right. Yeah. yeah even exactly. even that, man, like even like seeing Corey sing is is inspirational to me because yeah. Corey would never like he would only play sing when we were younger. You mean like um, like 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 sing over his solos and scatting and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um or just like joke around, right? Like he'd make fun of other singers, yeah. but would never sing um <laughs> himself. In New York City, we often have, um, and in the church world in general, they have uh, something called sheds, right, where like musicians get together and just like play all night, right. Mm -hmm. So they'll set up three or four drum sets, three or four sets of keyboards, mm -hmm. a couple of bass rigs, guitar rigs, and you know you call every musician in New York City, and we get together at one church and do that. Um, wow. And one time, I remember they had well, one of the first vocal sheds in New York City where they called together singers. Um, and, you know, they had a, a house band uh, and, and Corey actually sang it that. And I was like, cool. what? Okay, it was pretty cool. But Corey grew up under a bishop um, that we fellowshiped with, Bishop Jeffrey, Jeffrey White, mm. um, who is, uh, if you know Jay White, the bass player, um, that's Jay White's father. An amazing, 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 amazing 
a bassist himself. He's a great organist and a great singer, like one of the gospel greats oh my God. Um, from New York City. Yeah. Now, Jeffrey White's presentation, if you ever go to his church and watch how he sings or preaches or what have you, yeah. then you'll be like, oh, that's Corey Henry. Corey has literally like studied the man playing wow. under him for years and has developed... Uh, Jeffrey was one of the, the few singers that I, that I knew who wouldn't be afraid to use different intonations of his voice, mm. right? Uh, rather than sort of singing a straight tone or singing whatever their natural voice is. And you hear Corey doing some of that stuff, right? So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. really form yeah. his, his mouth into a different shape to get a different sound out of it or what have you, yeah. um, which is really cool and awesome uh, to see that dichotomy. Genuinely so cool. I, I always love talking to you, man. And, uh, you know, I never really know what to expect of these things, but always pleasantly surprised. And and I appreciate all your kind of like history, knowledge with this stuff. Definitely keep me apprised when you're A, in New York City, but also uh, when you, when you every, anytime you ever want some stems, dude, I'm, I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. We need to find an artist then you and I need to produce him or her. I know. Wouldn't that be, it would be cool. Were you the one talking? Somebody's talking, um, like, you know, like Andrew Huang has that like uh, four producers, one sample yeah, kind of thing. That was me. That was that you? Was me. We just never got to it. But yeah. Oh, it was, it was a thing during, during school, right? Yeah. Um, Call Sachi right now. Let's get, let's get. Yeah. You, me and Sachi. Exactly. And, uh, and then maybe we get, grab somebody else and then, and then, uh, yeah, take, take one sample or vocal sample or sing or something. Yeah, I wonder if there's a a way, because uh, I know you can have four people on on Instagram now or like TikTok or whatever. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a way somebody should invent this. Mm -hmm. Somebody listen to this podcast and invent this. All right, let's if go. you're watching, you're watching an Instagram or TikTok, you can click on a video to just hear that person's audio. Or mm -hmm. there's a button button where you can hear all of them. So we Ooh. could do it live and each of us are creating, yeah. but you're like, oh, what's Lev doing? And you yeah. click on Lev and you know, so forth and so on. If there were a way to do that, or if you know somebody who can do this sort of thing, that's have them invent dope. it and let's make a million dollars off it. Oh, that's a good idea, dude. You heard it here first. Hopefully, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Kevin, so great, man. Always great talking to you, dude. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, man. Have a good night. You too. Peace. Peace, dude. Peace.